0: Hello and welcome to Helpline on Feed, Play, Love with Mothercraft nurse, Chris Minogue. This is your opportunity to ask your questions of Chris. And I must say, you really have to get in there and ask your questions today because it is the last day before we let Chris have a little holiday for a month. So she'll <laughs> yep. be away for the whole of September, actually, back mm-hmm. in October. So if you have questions that you want to ask, you've been itching to ask, now is the time if you're listening to this live. Sorry, if it's on podcast, you're going to have to wait till she gets back. So if you're asking your questions today, um, make sure you pop your comments below the video on Facebook, if that's how you're listening, or you can call us live on 1-800-543-772. Um, I won't give you the helpline Uh, Email, though I know people will be like, oh, can we ask our questions? Because everyone knows babies, toddlers, children change a lot in a month. I will give you plenty of warning, though, when Chris is about to come back on and you can inundate her with all your questions. Um, Now, Chris, of course, has 30 years experience helping families um, across the country. And um, she has a book called Bringing Baby Home, which we'll put links to in the notes of this episode. Maybe that will see you through until she's back. Um, so next week we do have Kirsty Levin, who we're doing something a little bit different. We're going to do relationship advice. Um, obviously, again, not me. Kirsty is a counsellor and she's from the Parents Village. They work a lot with families, so we're talking relationships, whether that's with your partner, with your sister, with your mother-in-law. We all know it changes after babies. So um, feel free to get. We'll be back live next week without Chris, but we're we'll <laughs> talking about relationships. So please come back to us then if you have questions. We will start with a question from Charlotte. Yep. This was from Facebook Live. Last week she said, my two-and-a-half-year-old daughter won't sleep in her own bed and still has a bottle. She has about three bottles a day between 150 to 250 mils of milk and she won't sleep without it. She will eat most things, vegetables, fruit, chicken. However, dinner time is quite trying mm-hmm. as she won't sit still to eat longer than two to, from two to three minutes. We have to remind her to eat which means either myself or partner feeding her. She doesn't usually nap during the day unless lots of activity is involved. We try to get her into her bed, but she screams the house down till she's
1: in our bed.
0: How can I get her to stop with the bottle and get into her own
1: bed? You need to take some charge because she's having this. Is your two-year-old, two-and-a-half-year-old's having a lovely time, as most do. So she's not, she's not doing anything that any other two-and-a-half-year-old's doing but she does get a lot of milk and that's probably why you're having problems with the meals because most two-and-a-half-year-olds are not having any bottles and I think the really difficult thing at two-and-a-half, when they're younger, we can wean the bottles down. So we can either wean the volume or we can just take one away, then another one away and it's a very gradual thing. With a -a two-and-a-half-year-old, they're far too smart for that. So the only way that you can get her to understand the bottles are going is to actually take the bottles away but that amount of milk is probably what's interfering with her behavior around food so once you can get her to sit and concentrate she seems to be eating really well for you but it's the volume of milk that's interfering with it and the easiest way to actually understand this is actually pour into a jug or and you'll need a jug the same amount of milk that you're giving her in a bottle and you drink it over a day and you'll see why she doesn't really want to engage with meals. So that's that's the logic. And you probably know the logic. You just can't work out how to step out of this. So in all of this chaos, the first thing I would do, um, she seems to have given up her day sleep. So there's no bottle issue around that. So we're going to try and get rid of the bottles in the day and just keep the bottle in the evening. Okay, so we know she's going to carry on when she's feeling a bit bired and a bit run raw and she wants to suck the bottle, but you're going to have to use some creative ways of getting around it. Keep the bottle in the evening and get rid of the bottles in the day. And the first thing that should improve is her ability to sit and eat. So, therefore, you see that some of the things that you've listed here have improved instantaneously, but of course, it will create the same problem that you have with her going to sleep, which is if she hasn't drunk the bottle, she complains and complains a lot about going to sleep. She's two and a half. You've said that she doesn't sleep through the day. So that gets rid of that. That's easy. And we've only got that evening one. So we're going to try and set up a new routine for her that helps her go to sleep. And it's one that we use a lot here so one is to be very consistent with what you're doing so feed her breakfast her lunch and her dinner in a similar time frame most days try to avoid snacks so that she's eating well and if she would likes some milk she can have it in an, an open cup a little bit like 50 mils in an open cup like we would expect children of her age to be able to do Then when it comes to the evening and you're getting rid of the last bottle, obviously there's a lot of attachment to that drinking of the bottle in order to get her to relax and go to sleep. So now we have to change that for a different sequence. So we'll do a typical sequence that we would do for this age group. So at about 7 o'clock we clean our teeth. Um, She may or may not still wear a nappy for bed at night. I assume she does because she's drinking quite a lot. She has a nappy put on. She has a couple of stories And then we want to not fall into the trap of being in the room when she falls asleep because that'll be the next problem. So we would use something along the lines of our Bedtime Explorer um, uh, uh, podcast. And we would put on a little story that'll help her to relax and stop and listen And a lot of children will actually fall asleep in that window. So she listens to the story. You say, now listen to the story. Mummy will be back to give you a kiss after the story. It'll tell you how long it's going for. And it has this beautiful music behind it and soft sounds. And it's very relaxing for them. And then you'll know it goes for 10 minutes so at 10 minutes you come in you give her a kiss more often than not they've fallen asleep in that time so that means in the morning when she wakes up you can then applaud her and say you know you did a great job of going to sleep last night and then build on the on the praise to get you through these these little steps that she's doing I wonder whether she's having bottles overnight because it says she's giving up her day sleep hmm so if she wakes up at night you just need to go back give her some reassurance give her a kiss and a cuddle and then come out again she's going to make a lot of noise but you need to know that you're doing the right thing for her and moving her forward okay
0: good luck with that charlotte this uh, question comes from Sue via email. Yeah. My daughter has a four-week-old baby diagnosed with reflux, yeah. no vomiting, mainly pain, screaming, etc. Yeah. Her son is on a medication for 14 days, greatly se- settled and happy since. Yeah. My daughter has stopped eating dairy and soy, which yep. can aggravate reflux. Her son is breastfed, feeding well. The main issue is sleeping in the bassinet. He mm. won't. He prefers to be upright on his mother or father's tummy. I've put a towel under the Mattress, mattress, but it makes no difference. Should she just ride this out until he's older and more settled? Can you suggest any other ideas not mentioned above? We have your book, but there is not a lot regarding this problem discussed.
1: No, the reason that there, I deliberately didn't write it is because every child who has reflux, and I have dealt with loads of children with reflux, it presents differently. So there isn't a fine set way of being able to do it. And it also would be guided by the medications and the doctor and the GP. So that's why you're not going to read a lot just in general about it. But I think the thing that needs to be reassured is that she's doing, your daughter's doing all the right things in that she's cut a dairy and her soya out of her diet, the little bu- little ones on some medication that you've seen an improvement. So now that we've ticked those boxes, that he's improved in his general behaviour, the reflux is more manageable. While it was difficult, they did lots of cuddling obviously to make him more comfortable and to get him to sleep. And now we need to then go back and reset some really basic settling to help him adjust to being down. Because for the last four weeks, he's been upright by a lot of his sleep. Now we're going to teach him to be down. And I would go back and teach him as if he was, well, he's a brand new baby, he's only four weeks old. But I would make sure that he's been fed well, He's had a little bit of alert time. He's probably only up for about an hour, maybe only 45 minutes if he's really overtired. Wrap him, take him into a calm environment, dim the room, and then cuddle him until he is sleepy. Now, not asleep, and this is really key at this age. So he's just sleepy, he's nice and relaxed, and those little eyes are just shutting but not fully asleep. Then when they put him down into the bassinet, put their hands on him and just give him a little rock and a little pat. And we're just going to start as if it's day one. Then by bringing a sheet across or a blanket across and tucking that in nice and firmly, he'll have the feeling that that he's on someone. So if you put him down and his arms are free or they're up and he can move around and you're not tucking him in, it's too far from what he has learnt to go to sleep. So you've got to mimic those same behaviors in getting him down in the bassinet. If you've ticked the box and he's fed and his medications are good and all things are equal, then if he started crying, we'd do a little bit of settling in that bassinet for a good five minutes. If he was still crying, I'd pick him up, give him a cuddle, get him calm, but I'd put him back in the bed. So I think take it as if you're starting to settle a baby from the very beginning and you'll start to see the improvement in his ability to sleep in his bed. Okay. The next question comes from Vicky.
0: Um, She has a nine and a half month old and her question's about introducing a comforter, which we did answer last week, but it was a five month old. So she has a few bits of information she needs, extra bits. Yep. We used Uh, We used to use a dummy to try and get my nine-and-a-half-month-old to sleep, but it turned out it was interfering with his actual ability to sleep. We found he was just playing with it, and even now, if I use it to calm him down, he sucks for a while, takes it out of his mouth and plays with it and won't sleep, although I only give it to him for for a couple of minutes. Mm. If I take it away, he falls asleep quicker. My older daughter, now two-and-a-half, uses a comforter, and it helps her when she sleeps. It also makes it easier for her to sleep places other than home, as it is in an instant association with sleep. I'm worried if I leave a comforter in his cot, he'll just play with it and won't sleep. In order to put him down to sleep, I usually sing him a song, the same one each time, give him a cuddle, put him in the cot awake and leave the room. It works 99% of the time for his day sleeps and about 70% of the time at night. We often have to give him some extra help going down at night with patting and shushing. If he wakes in the middle of the night, I'll give him the bottle and put him down the same The same for the day sleeps and it usually works. Is it worth introducing a comforter and if so, how? For my daughter, I just left it in her cot and she took to it and she was using the dummy attached to it to sleep. When I leave the room after putting him down, he complains for a minute or so at nights for a while before putting himself to sleep. He crawls to the end of the cot to grab hold of the bars and he seems to want something in his hands. He can wake and grizzle multiple times a night but then put himself to sleep after five to ten minutes. So I wonder if a comforter can help him feel less lonely in the cot.
1: Oh, I don't think he's feeling lonely. I, I think he's actually doing really well. Yeah, I was thinking that one. Yeah, he's actually doing really well. I think you also might be mistaking your daughter with that comforter because the dummy was attached, and I think it was the dummy that was working and the comforter from what the information here that we have. But if he's generally self-settling, the majority of the time, I would keep going with self-settling. And I tend to find that babies that have a comforter would have always had a comforter. They'll either take it or they won't take it. So yes, you can certainly put a comforter in his cot and place it there just like you did for your daughter and let him roll around and find it and find comfort from it. But if after a few days, all he's doing is rolling around with it and he's not finding any comfort from it, then I'd just get rid of it but I suspect for your daughter, it was the fact that the dummy was attached to it. So she'd pop the dummy in and then she'd play with the comforter. And as she got older, when you took the dummy away, she still had the comforter. So I think it was the dummy that initiated it. So pop one in, similar to what you did for your daughter, and then see what he does. But I actually think he's doing really well in what you're doing. So don't, don't overthink it too much. He's definitely heading in the right direction. And the Crawling to the end of the, the cot and pulling and, and holding the bars is the next step before he pulls up. So I think that's just age. It's it's not about necessarily feeling lonely. I think he sees you going out the door and he thinks he's going with you out that door. So keep going. I think you're doing all the right things and I'm sure in the next little while it'll just get easier and easier.
0: That sounds good. Um, next question is from Ellen. It's an email. My son is 15 months and we've been co-sleeping since he was about four months. I don't breastfeed anymore, but he still has a half bottle of formula during the night, early morning around 4 to 5am and sometimes one at midnight if we are desperate to get him back to sleep. He wakes up at around 6.30, has one sleep at 11.30 for about two hours and goes to bed at 7pm. He has three meals a day plus snacks and a cup of cow's milk during the day. He eats a lot each meal. Co-sleeping has been going okay until recently. He used to only wake up once or twice and have some milk and go back to sleep. But now he wakes up several times and he pulls my head to go back to sleep. That means you're not sleeping. (laughs) Not even a bottle will put him back to sleep anymore. He sometimes pulls my hair for over an hour and it drives me insane. (laughs) If I try to stop him, he gets furious and starts crying and doesn't go back to sleep for hours or until I give up and let him do it. But I wake up with dreadlocks and it's not fun anymore. (laughs) Sorry, I don't mean to laugh, but that is a pretty funny statement. We only have one bedroom apartment and his cot is in our room. So last night I slept on the sofa and he was fine sleeping in bed with my husband. He did have two bottles during the night, though. I would like him to be able to sleep in his own cot and ideally wean him off the night feeds, but I'm not sure how to even start as he's so attached to me and my hair and doesn't know how to go to sleep on his own. And that's from Ellen.
1: Oh, Ellen. So co-sleeping works really well when it works really well. And then when it doesn't work really well, it's actually really difficult because... He's had, since he was four months, he's had that physical contact of someone with him to go to sleep, even before the hair the hair incident. And the funny thing about that is I have two clients and their children are completely attached to running their fingers through their hair to mm. go to sleep. And they're having similar issues. So I think his timing is really good. The two bottles overnight... Is probably more about him co sleeping and and not working out how you can get him back to sleep other than giving him the bottles. So you've got the bottles, the hair, and trying to get him into his own cot in your room. So if we laid those three big things out, then you're going to tackle them one at a time. And the most difficult being the cot in your room. And I realise that you're only in a one bedroom. But just the coming and going of a one-bedroom unit, people coming in, going out, rustling when they're sleeping, is going to wake him. So, And I'm sure you realise that. And I often say to parents, why don't you sleep in the lounge room and get him sleeping well before you go back into the bedroom? So that's something to think about when you get to that point. The next thing is you need to stop him playing with your hair. So that's this will be actually the first thing. So tied, in, tied up before you go to bed and don't lay with him where he can reach your hair. So put him in the middle and lay towards him, turn towards him, as opposed to turning with your back to him. Because as soon as you turn with your back to him, of course he can get your hair and start playing with it again. It's quite, a us- it's quite a common thing that babies do is play with their parents' hair. Usually when they're feeding, they'll play with their parents' hair. So it's not an unusual thing. It's just now he can reach you. The second thing is most babies at this age do wake up for about an hour overnight. They talk, they play, they roll around. And from now to when he's about two, two and a half, he'll wake up multiple times overnight and lay there and play with a foot that he's found or a finger that he's got. <laughs> And I think he's just discovered that you are the plaything. So Yay I I think (laughs) he's actually doing the right thing and you're because of the co sleeping it sort of got this this far. So you and your husband need to work out in what steps do you want this to work for you. So tying your hair up is an easy thing to do. Laying with your front towards him is an easier thing to do. And breaking that pattern of that constant touching would probably be the first thing I would do. The second thing I'd be doing is getting rid of the night bottles. Um, It seems easy, but you probably can get rid of the night bottles as you introduce his cot. So getting him to go to sleep, I'm assuming in the day, because it doesn't actually tell us here, I'm assuming in the day you lay down with him to get him to sleep. So then the difficulty comes with introducing the cot because the cot will feel quite isolating to him. So in order to make the leap from where he is now in the bed to the cot, I think you're going to have to introduce a comfort toy, which we were talking about previously, to see if he can make that connection because he's had 12 months of laying beside someone okay so then you get to that point and you've considered something to give him comfort in the cot you've got rid of the bottles overnight and you've decreased his ability to reach your hair the next thing I do is put the cot with the side down beside your bed so it, it almost looks like um, a co-sleeper I wouldn't take the side off the cot I just put it up against your bed so he's still safe within the cot I'd also put it on your husband's side of the bed because he has that attachment to you with your hair. So i put it on your husband's side of the, the bedroom, put the cot beside it so that when he wakes at night, you can put your arm through and just give him tapping and get him used to being in the cot. But I think in the long term, for him to sleep really well overnight, he might need his own little space to be able to do that. Oh, so hard living yeah. in a one bedder.
0: Um and we did, Ellen, I my yeah. husband and I lived in um a one bedder when we had our daughter and we didn't move until she was about two and a half. Yeah. You don't wanna know what we did. <laughs> sort of but an was... expanded version of what you did. <laughs> well she I was lucky she didn't pull my hair, so we just kept co sleeping. Yeah. Because um it was just so hard in a one bedroom. Yeah. To really get difficult. And I remember doing all kinds of stupid things like um we had it. We actually had a little sunroom near Think, the bedroom, yeah. but it, there was no doors. Yeah, and so I thought if I put up that's curtains good. in between, that it that would dampen the, the sound. And no. of course, curtains don't make any difference to sound. No. So just you know, if that's an idea you've got, I'm telling you now, it did not
1: work for me. Yeah, but um, wouldn't have worked. Yeah, good luck, Ellen. It's it's tough. It's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah, it's a really tough one. Especially the go else. honestly, I would say go and make a bed in the lounge room and create a two bedroom that way. Remove yourselves, leave the baby in there, and that's really hard. I I can't tell. I must have at least five clients who have a mattress that they just sleep on the floor in the lounge room, but everyone's getting much better sleep. Yeah, so that's it's what you end up with. Yeah, that it? is.
0: Yeah. Well, good luck. Ellen. This question comes from Madison. Yeah. Um, hi, Chris. My question is a follow-up from a few weeks ago. Yeah. Sleep for my now 16-week-old. We've managed to get him to sleep a bit better at night, down by nine. I know it's late. Usually awake by four for a feed, then up again around 6.30, 7.30. I've managed to get <laughs> him to have three sleeps during the day at around nine, awake at 10, 10.30. Down around 1, awake around 2.30, then usually another little sleep at 4.35 for about an hour. My question is, am I heading in the right direction? And if he wakes up from his day sleep, should I be resettling? Hope you have an amazing holiday.
1: Oh, thank you, Madison. Uh, I think he's awake for a very long period of time because you said he gets up around 6.30 and he doesn't go down till 9.00. So that he's awake for about two and a half hours. But he sleeps well, like he sleeps from nine and then he wakes up, but hopefully closer to 10.30 than 10 and then down around one. So it seems and it looks like from what you've written here that he's awake for two and a half hours and sometimes at such a young age, they're going to get more and more overtired and the sleep will start shortening and shortening off again. So at around 16 weeks, you probably find he's tired more in the window of a one and a half hour to two hour cycle and two would be pushing it. So you might get more consistent sleep when the sleep is a little bit earlier. So putting a child down earlier usually helps them to sleep better than keeping them up longer in the sheer hope that they might sleep even easier. So I think you have to watch that he is awake for a long period of time for his age and the second thing is that he needs to sleep really well if he's going to stay awake for that length of time. So he needs to sleep for an hour and a half, then an hour and a half, then an hour, so that he's still getting the same amount of time. So if he's sleeping for less than that in each of those sleep windows, then I would start to to do some resettling and try and get him to link some sleep cycles together. Good luck, Madison. And
0: uh, yeah, come back in a month and and see how it's going. Um, We have a question from Bron on Facebook Live. Tapioca? Yeah. Tapioca. It? If my yeah. son is almost six months old and I'm interested in him trying tapioca. At what age would it be safe to do this?
1: What's I think tapioca, tapioca it's um oh what is it like? It's like I can't even describe it. Is it
0: like the um, little, porridge but not yeah, porridge? Yeah. Yeah.
1: It looks it's I probably milky. Used it too. It's milky and it looks like little balls, little tiny soft ah, balls. Okay. So it's it's along that way. Um oh, tapioca, I, I think mm. he would be fine. The texture of his food should be of a smoother consistency. So I'd probably make it a little bit more watery and maybe you know make sure mash it's a got a smoothness to it, so mash it down a little bit and give him a go. But there's nothing wrong. I don't think with trying tapioca for tapioca for him, but textually he'd probably prefer it closer to eight months because textually they quite like that sort of movement in their mouth and that's what tapioca tapioca does.
0: Cool. Okay. Okay, and the next is from Sarah on an email. Yeah. It's I have an eighteen month old I have eighteen month old boy girl twins yep. who we introduced a dummy to when they were infants to help with soothing soothing and settling for sleep. We would only give the dummy at nap and bed times. My son took to it well. My daughter became disinterested by six months old and never really took to a comforter. In the last month or two, though, my daughter would see her brother have the dummy at sleep times and after his nap, we'd take the dummy from him and put it in her mouth. Yeah. It just it's seemed playful and cheeky. Yeah, I'd take it, it back does. when getting them out of bed and we'd continue with our day. A month ago, our nighttime sleep took a turn for the worse, (laughs) with my daughter waking several times a night and most nights taking over two hours to go back to sleep, needing me by her side until she fell back asleep. After a couple of weeks of bad nights, I was exhausted and desperate and gave her the dummy, praying it would help her settle to sleep (laughs) sooner. The dummy reduced how long it would take to settle her and allowed us to put her to bed for the night without complaint or a peep. But now she wants it all the time and away from sleep times. I try to explain the dummy is only for sleep and then try to distract. But as the morning afternoon goes on and she gets more tired, she cries for it. She still wakes most nights and now won't settle without it. I've been okay with them having the dummy for sleep only, but I'm starting to think it might be time to stop. I just have no idea how to remove it and keep the peace, especially when already rocky night's sleep. Any advice would be greatly appreciated.
1: Oh, it all sounded so good until it wasn't working. (laughs) I can see, I mean, 18-month-olders are just so quick at what they learn and what, as you rightly said, you know, what started out as a bit of a game has now become a bit of a nightmare. Um, I don't think her multiple wakings at night though had anything to do with the dummy. I think it was just that you were trying the dummy in order to get her to sleep. And she obviously maybe isn't sleeping well because she's whinging in the day and she wants that comfort by going back to the, the dummy. So I think the essence of what you were trying to do, which is only associated dummy with sleep, were right, but I think she's tired because she's not sleeping well and that's why you're getting the whinge in And you're seemingly having to give her the dummy all the time. So in this case, I would just take the dummy away. Now, your nights are already not great, but they're not going to be great for a couple of days. So what I would do in this situation, because your son is actually doing really well with it. Um, You've got two choices. You're either going to take away from both of them at the same time. Or you put him in another room for a few nights while you're dealing with her so that she can't see that he has the dummy because he seems to give it up after the sleep from what you've written. So in either case, if he is sleeping well, I still would put him in another room so that you could deal with her unsettledness at night and re-teach her how to go back to sleep. And often I do this with twins, but I don't do it for more than three nights because otherwise they get used to being apart. So you need to pick the nights that you think will work with it and and then what I would do with her is just a very gentle, put her down, well, I don't know how gentle it is because I can really cry, but put her down, let her go for a little bit, five, ten minutes, whatever you can tolerate, and at the most you just go in, you say, put your head down, and you just stand there, and I just say put your head down. Once she puts her head down, it's almost like a reward. I go over and I give her a few taps and say, it's time for sleep. And then I walk out again. And then I let her have another little go, a little bit longer than the first time. So maybe five or six minutes before you go in. And then I go in and I just stand there and I say, put your head down. Because what I'm teaching her to do is actually put her head down. Because when they lay down, they have more chance of going to sleep. So put your head down, put your head down, Once she puts her head down, go over, give her a little pat, time for sleep and walk out. And I would repeat this until she went to sleep. So you have to have stamina, probably nice red wine and a bit of chocolate to get yourself through it. And maybe even a headset. Oh, Okay. So putting her down at, you know, her lunchtime, (laughs) that might take her whole lunchtime sleep to get her to have a sleep. Putting her down at seven o'clock at night might take you an hour to do. But what I think you would see is that she would extend her sleep before she woke up again. Instead of waking up multiple times, she might sleep really well till three o'clock. You might have to do it again at three o'clock. Try not to drink the red wine at three o'clock. Get through to the three o'clock, do it again for an hour. And what you're looking for is that each night it gets better. So the first night will be the most difficult. You need to have all those things around you that are going to help you go like a supportive partner and separating them and you're going to go for it. It's the second and the third night. On the second and the third night, you need to see these periods getting really a lot shorter, herself settling herself to know that you've done the right thing for her. So you need to give yourself about three or four nights and that each night is getting better.
0: Mm. Good luck Good luck Good luck Sarah We have time for just one more question Um, This is from Sarah. I have a three and a half year old who is amazing now, but was a nightmare as a baby. She had reflux, which was medicated, soy and cow's milk protein intolerance and never slept. My husband is desperate for another baby, but I just can't convince myself to take the plunge as I'm so scared. Number two will be the same as number one, but my ability to cope will be diminished because I'll also have my daughter to look after. And to be honest, I didn't cope with number one. What do you think is the likelihood history will repeat? Do you have any advice if I end up with a second tricky baby? And that's from Sarah.
1: I think, Sarah, a lot of women actually feel this way when they've had a difficult baby regardless of what the that the reason is. And I think it's something that as women we might actually sit back and not talk about. But if we spoke about it a lot more, then we'd feel more supported. So it's a bit like that secrecy of parenting I call it the things that happen that no one talks about but actually happens in lots and lots of families and in this case there is a likelihood that your second baby would have a degree of reflux but the beauty of the second baby is you know that so you're not going to go through all of those steps before she was diagnosed you're going to know it so as soon as that behavior happens you're going to speak to your GP or your pediatrician and get the medications for that child. And that gives you a greater ability to have that baby more settled much earlier on. So you know the symptoms and the signs, and we can definitely give you support in terms of people in the community to recognise it in a very young baby. And then go forth and teach all those other things that got missed with your first one, like reasonable sleep patterns and self settling and better sleep patterns overall. So there is a community of people that are out there to support you. And that could be anything from a mothercraft nurse, an early childhood centre sister, you know, maybe even a psychologist to, to talk through these steps. And I've I've helped clients get through those steps with that network of people and they've gone on to have two and three more children. You as anybody, even Chev, would agree, when you go for the second child, how are you ever going to split the time? But you do. Everybody yes. does. You know, everybody comes from a family of one, two, six, nine, eleven children. So I don't think that's the big issue. I think it's the fear of that was really difficult. And that if we give you the right support, you will go on and you will have, you know, a beautiful baby. So you've got to ask yourself, do I want this baby? And mm. be honest with your partner and, and see, you know, how that works out. But and also
0: the first time around when they're tricky, it feels like it'll never end. Yeah. But you know, um, yeah, I Yeah, she's three and a half. And I definitely
1: found going
0: the second time, and I didn't have tricky babies. Um, mm. Some may disagree. I think they were just the average trickiness. Yeah. But... Um, I did find it much easier to cope with that because I knew that it yeah. w- would pass. It, mm. it was just something I understood much better yeah. the second time around. Yeah. The first time, I thought I would never, ever, ever sleep again. And the second time I'm, I, I was you knew. I knew that it wouldn't yeah. last forever.
1: So you know, and, and I've worked mm. with other clients who, for different reasons, they've questioned do they need another child? And, and what I got them to do was see a psychologist for a couple of, couple of sessions before yeah. they were pregnant to talk it out so that they can go into this next pregnancy in all the right ways and I think that's the type of support we need to give you even if your conclusion is actually you don't want to have another child and but to be able to talk it out but the actual question that you're asking about do we see it in consecutive children the answer is generally yes now, statistically, we may not, but generally, in the general population of reflux babies that I deal with, we do see it in the next. But the parents are so much more aware, they're on top of it much much quicker and mm. they have a much better outcome in the long term. And remember, you did say that she's amazing now. Yeah. She's an amazing three-year-old. Look at
0: me. I'm trying to convince you to have another baby. <laughs> Do what's right for you. Don't listen to Sarah. me, Sarah. <laughs> listen to what that was the actual answer you asked for. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Actually, that is the last um, question we have time for on this helpline and Feed Play Love. Um, and if you are watching along via Facebook page thank you so much for your questions remember next week it will be Kirsty Levin from the Parents Village talking about relationships um, and if you want to remain anonymous and I understand if people want to be anonymous send us an email to helpline at au to let us know you want to be anonymous and I promise we won't use your names um, and Chris will be back in a month have a fabulous holiday Chris. I will we will miss you but you will be back <laughs> I will Our next guest on Feed Play Love says that gender equality starts in the home.
1: There are a lot of guys out there who are very eager to have close, nurturing, loving, caring relationships with their kids. But a lot of those guys might not think that they are part of some gender revolution. <laughs> but in a sense, they
0: kind of are. That's Brian Hillman from Promundo talking about their latest report, The State of the World's Fathers. He also explains that it's not just good for feminism, but it's good for men too. That's on the next episode of Feed, Play, Love. Devin Ning is our producer, and I'm your host, Siobhan Hunt. We hope today's episode of Feed, Play, Love gave you a little bit of inspiration. And if you're looking for a little more inspiration at the moment, HelloFresh has got you covered. They deliver fresh ingredients and easy-to-follow recipes to your door, so you can create new taste sensations every week. There's a variety of delicious recipes to choose from each week, so you'll always have fresh ideas for dinner time. Get started today and save up to $90 across your first four boxes. Go to hellofresh.com.au and use the code FEED90. That's capital F, lowercase double E-D, and the numbers nine zero. T's and C's apply.